This is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Uh, Prophet Isaiah says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give it to us to bring life to us, to encourage us, to motivate us and guide us as we seek to live on mission, as we seek to live for you. Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word, uh, Lord, that I would get out of your way, uh, that you would use this time to encourage and strengthen me as well as everyone in this room. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Um, I think I kind of want to begin with the confession. In some sense, uh, for those of you who are in the men's intensive, uh, this text makes me angry. Uh, The good kind of passion-filled anger, full-life anger. So if if you sense some of that edge... That's what that is. It's a good thing. Um, It's kind of an inside joke for us men. But uh, I want to begin by walking into this text, and I want to reflect on one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, It's called The Pistol. Anybody seen The Pistol before? Anyone? Man, you guys need to go home and watch The Pistol. The Pistol is a biography of a famous professional basketball player named Pete Maravich also called Pistol Pete. And one of the things I love about this film is that it highlights that greatness in basketball is achieved through focusing on the fundamentals. That's one of the things that we see throughout the movie is this young boy growing up and becoming an incredible basketball player, and he focuses on the little things. In order to be a truly great basketball player, one must first master Basketball 101. Our text this morning, in many ways, is Missions 101. Peter is demonstrating for us the fundamentals of being on mission, particularly particularly when it comes to engaging the least of these, to use the words of Christ. The widow, the orphan, the outcast, the criminal, the disabled, the poor. 
And the reason this text is so important, brothers and sisters, is that we, the church in America, have in so many ways lost sight of the fundamentals of the mission, particularly when it comes to engaging the least of these. We've gotten so caught up in meeting needs and doing good deeds and have become incredibly short-sighted in our efforts. And as a result, we've become profoundly ineffective at helping people at the mission. Brothers and sisters, we've forgotten the basics. And so this morning, we're going to go back to school. Okay? We're going to go back to the basics to work on the fundamentals with Peter as our tutor and the lame man as our case study. So I want you to put your thinking caps on. I want you to sit up straight, hands in your lap, cell phones off, and we're going to get our learn on this morning, okay? All good? All right, there's three fundamental truths about mission, about the mission that this text highlights that we all need to be reminded of this morning. First, the mission requires humility. Second, the mission brings humanity. And third, the mission magnifies divinity. The mission requires humility, brings humanity, and magnifies divinity. So let's, let's begin. This may be hard for some of you to believe, but I have a major character flaw. Yes, yes, it's true. Uh, I, and for me, one, one of the major character flaws that I have is that I cannot stand to be exposed as inadequate in anything can't stand it. I hate to be exposed with uh, lacks or deficiencies. And the way this character flaw often plays out is that I will take on something that I'm entirely incapable of doing, and at the same time I'll refuse to ask for help. And the results of this are pretty ugly. Normally one such example was recently we were renovating my house and I was trying to save money, so I decided that I was going to take on some of the project myself, and so one of those things was the demolition. So I was going to take on the demolition myself. And so me and a few of the, my neighbors went in and we stripped this house back to the studs, and we completed the project. And then shortly after, the framers come in, and as soon as they walked in the house, they declared the upstairs unsafe and roped it off and said, nobody can go up there. Don't even walk up there. And this is coming just off of our, me and the neighbors slinging sledgehammers and jumping around and, and, and doing all kinds of labor upstairs in this house. So we, we could have died. Uh, we, we really could have. It's, it's kind of funny now, but actually it's horribly scary. I had no idea what I was doing. I put myself and three other men in grave danger because I didn't have the humility that is needed. The moral of that story is that humility is necessary, really, in all of life. We need to know where we lack. We have to know our own deficiencies or we get in serious trouble. Amen. Amen, that's right. And there's really no sphere that it's more important to understand our need for humility than mission. And this mission is the mission we've been talking about, this mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth as it is on heaven, bringing the rule and reign of Christ to every sphere of society, that mission requires humility. It's not a helpful add-on. It, it requires it. It's necessary. In order for us to do the mission well, we must be humble. Look at the text with me. Verse 1 says, 
Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame for birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. This phrase, look at us, is so critical in terms of our understanding of the mission. At first glance, we might think that Peter's being prideful here, that he's saying something to the effect of, lame man, look at us. Me and John, we're kind of a big deal. You know, we were on the inner circle with Jesus. Nobody just stops us and speaks to us. You have to be someone significant to interrupt us. Because normally that's how we would see that phrase used, that someone is saying, look at me, revere me, respect me. But that's not what's happening here. In fact, Peter is doing the exact opposite. Peter is saying, look at me. Look closely. I'm just a man. I'm just like you. We are one in the same. That's humility. Peter, who had every right to boast in his status because of his relationship with Christ, in turn chooses to enter in and speak to this man on a level playing ground. He looks at him as one who's like him. Look how the text continues, verse 5. And he affixes his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. This is an interesting statement here, isn't it? Silver and gold have I none, is maybe how you've heard it in the King James historically. But it's interesting in light of what Daniel preached last week, if you were here, in chapter 2. And we were talking about the devotedness of the church. And this is the church that Peter and John are leading. And verse 45 says, And they, the church, were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Peter is a part of this community that is living this extravagantly sacrificial life. So clearly he has access to these resources. Peter could have gone to the church and asked for money, but instead he says this statement, silver and gold have I none. Now I'm not suggesting that Peter is lying here. I I honestly do think Peter did not have any change in his pocket. But I think the point is he's making here is much more potent than my pockets are empty. He's saying something far deeper. Peter's message is, look at me, flesh and blood, skin and bones, I'm just a man, and I do not have to offer that which you need. I do not possess that which you really need. Brothers and sisters, are we entering into the, mis- into the mission with the misconception that we have the goods? Are we on mission believing that we can be the Savior, that we can be the hero, that we are the answer to everyone's problems? Because if we begin to think that way, we are in big trouble. I want to push this application now for us as a church. And in order to do that, I need to remind you all of our vision as a church. This is where we're heading, Lord willing. Our vision here at Christ Central is to be a Christ-centered, cross-cultural community that exists for the glory of God and the good of Durham. That's where we're headed. And over the past year, we've been spending a lot of time trying to ask God, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to be a blessing, particularly to Durham? How do we do that? 
And through this time of seeking the Lord, praying, we feel like God has clearly led us that one of the ways that we are to be a blessing to Durham is to love and serve this Southside community that exists right here. Our neighbors here in this building, this historic Haiti community, if you will. And I assume that most of you know this, but if you don't, this community is one of the most distressed communities in the city in terms of crime, in terms of poverty, in terms of abandoned homes, in terms of struggling businesses. The reason that all of this development is happening just down the road here is because the city has recognized that this community is in need. So that's no secret. That's just the facts. And we as a church feel confident that one of the primary ways that we are called to be a blessing is to love and serve this community, to love our neighbors. And so as we apply this text this morning, I want you guys to have this Southside community in mind. I want that to be at the forefront of your mind as we seek to push what this text is telling us. Everybody tracking with me? Understand where we're going? So in order for us to succeed in the mission of loving and serving the Southside community, we must be humble. We must be humble. We cannot enter in with the misconception that we have the goods, that we are God's gift to the Southside community, that they've been waiting for us to come and we're finally here. Now that may sound obvious to some of us, but the church has been functioning this way for some time now. The church has been relating to the community in this way for some time. And the damage that's been done by thinking like this is immeasurable. And so we, as a church, we need to repent of that. Amen? We need to repent of that way of thinking. And we need to realize that when we enter into the community, we are entering into 50-some-odd years of the church relating this way to the community. Coming in as the Savior, as the hero. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that reality? Well, we go back to the fundamentals. We remember that the mission requires a deep understanding of the fundamental truth that, that we are needy just like everyone else. That we come in just as in need of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ as everyone that we, that we come in contact with. We embrace the D.T. Niles quote that some of you are familiar with, that evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's our posture. Peter is saying, look at me. I'm just as needy as you are. That's humility. And that's the foundational truth that is required in order to be successful on the mission. Which brings us to our second fundamental truth for mission. The mission done rightly brings humanity. Look a little deeper. Let's look a little deeper at the characters in this story. Verse 2 says, A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. This guy had some really good friends, didn't he? You imagine this guy was born lame, and his buddies carried him every day and laid him at this gate. And these friends of his realized that it would be hard for people to go in and worship God and then leave their worship time and just walk right by this man who was helpless. It's a great plan. It's a great idea. It probably worked pretty well. So every day, this, this lame man lays here until his friends come and pick him up after the last worship service. Can you imagine? 
What a miserable life to lay there and beg for money all day, every day. What makes it worse worse is that there's something innately dehumanizing about begging, isn't there? To be powerless to provide for yourself and to be utterly dependent upon the charities of others is incredibly dehumanizing. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. We're created by Him to create, to work, to be fruitful. And when we don't do that, we feel shame. We despise ourselves. We're not able to do those things. We don't feel the dignity and the value that comes from them. We don't feel human. And the dissonance in verses 3 and 4 makes it clear that this is exactly what the lame man is feeling. Look again with me at verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Did you catch it? Verse 3 says that the lame man saw Peter and John, and he engaged them on some level. He asked for alms. I don't know what that would have looked like in this time period. I don't know if he had a tin cup, and he raised it up, hoping that they might put something in his cup. I don't know how that worked. But what's interesting is that verse 4 goes on to say that Peter had to instruct the man to look at him. He had to tell him to look at him. You see, the man didn't even feel worthy enough to look Peter and John in the eye. He felt less than human. Brothers and sisters, I think we are right to assume that many of the people in this Southside community who have been cast out and ostracized by society for many years feel less than human. If you were here on Wednesday, we got to hear about how this Haiti community got in this place. It was a tragic story that is still being played out. And I think if you were to walk the streets and you looked people in the eye, if you observed their faces, you would see, you would experience this lack of feeling of value and worth and dignity. So what do we do? What, 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 what do we do with that? And the, the, the beautiful thing about this text, there's good news here. And the good news is that mission done rightly actually brings humanity. It promotes dignity and value and worth. And there's two major ways that Peter models this for us that I want you to look at with me. He first does it in the way that he addresses the beggar, and second, in what he gives the beggar. Let's first look at the address We just highlighted how, because of the shame, this beggar refused to look Peter in the eye. And in some sense, this beggar was was behaving rightly. That was the correct cultural norm. This person was less than human. The reason he was at the gate and not inside the temple is because of his handicap. He was not welcome in the temple with the rest of the Jewish people. So he was where he belonged. And you can imagine how that made him feel in terms of dignity and value. And so he was probably right culturally to not look them in the eye. But what does Peter do? In the face of this cultural norm, instead of just going with the flow, he demands that this person look him in the eye. He demands that the beggar look at him. He treats him as a human being. 
He enters in on the same level. I want to ask you guys, when's the last time you looked at one of the beggars on the street corner surrounding this building in the eye? When's the last time you stopped what you were doing and made eye contact? What about the lady that's over here on Roxborough and Jackie Robinson, who's there most every day? When's the last time you looked her in the eye? I know it's hard for me to do. I struggle to show that kind of dignity. And the point is, brothers and sisters, if we're going to engage the South Side community, we have to come to a place where we see the dignity in all of humanity. We have to get there. We have to be able to, Peter, like Peter say, look at me. Look me in the eye. And we have to truly believe that that person is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than we are. If we're going to enter in, we have to embrace that. That these people all around us and in this room were created in the image of God. That we all are. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? That each of us is created in the image of God. Look now at the gift. Look at the gift that Peter gives that brings humanity. Verse 3 says that the man asked Peter for money, for alms. And as we discussed, Peter, out of his humility, chose not to give the money to the man. Peter declaring that, I do not have what you really need. And I believe what's underneath this is much deeper. It's a much deeper understanding that Peter had of humanity than most of us have. See, Peter most certainly could have gone and acquired the money. He could have gotten the money. He could have brought it to the man. But the reality is, if he had done that, he would have only met the immediate need. The man would have been lying there again tomorrow. And he would have had the same needs he had the day before. And so Peter could have done that. And certainly, I'm not saying that Peter didn't do that. I'm sure Peter at times did give money did meet the immediate needs. But what Peter is doing here is saying, there's something deeper that you need that I can't give you. And so what does Peter give him that's not money? What does Peter offer to him that he does not possess in and of himself? He offers him Christ. Peter gives the man Christ, and then Christ in turn empowers the man. He lifts him up. Isn't that beautiful? Brothers and sisters, Christ is what we need. It's what we need. It's what the lame man needed. It's what the Southside community needs. It's what all of us need. We need Christ. We need Jesus. And so that's, that's the vision there. That's, that's what we bring. We bring Christ, and it's Christ who empowers, who lifts people up. It's easy for us, brothers and sisters, it's easy for us as a church to simply throw money at the issues that are going on around here. It is easy for us to just hand out a few bucks, right? But the problem with that is that, is that, that the mission done rightly actually is way more complicated than that. It requires so much more thought, more care, more love than just throwing a few bucks here. It requires more, and that greater commitment is motiva- motivated by a longing for a renewed humanity. That's our desire is that, that people would be empowered. They would be empowered to live fully, that, that we wouldn't perpetuate their dependence, but we would empower them to live the way that God created them to live. 
Brothers and sisters, sisters, this is why, while Daniel and I are pastoring here, we will never walk into the Southside community with a bag full of goodies and saying, here, have this. Amen? We're not going to do that. I'm not saying that's terrible, but we're not going to do that because that does not bring humanity. That does not promote dignity. That does not empower people to live fully. Which brings us to our third and final fundamental truth about the mission. Look at verse 7. The mission magnifies divinity. He took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. There's a social norm that's glaringly absent in this story, isn't there? The lame man never said thank you to Peter. He never thanked him. Mission done well always magnifies God and not man. I think Peter probably rest assured when he saw the response of the man that the mission was received. And when, when Peter was not thanked, and when he saw the man celebrating God. When we enter into the Southside community, the goal must be that God be glorified and not Christ Central Church. I have to be honest, I, oftentimes I long for Durham to know of us as a church that helps people. I often have that desire. And certainly, that's not a terrible thing, and if we do missions well, that will inevitably happen. But that's not our goal, is it? That's not our goal. Our goal is that when our work is done, that people would glorify and praise God, and that the name of Christ Central Church would go str- grow strangely dim. Amen? That's our goal. That's what we seek to do. That's what God calls us to do. And that causes us to ask some hard questions, doesn't it? I think that many of us are here at this church because we are excited of the vision to enter in and, and be a blessing to those who are less fortunate, those who are in need. I think there's a, that's the reason why many of you are here, and that's a good thing. But then we have to ask the hard questions. Why? Why do we want to be a part of that? Is it because it makes us feel good? Do we want to be a part of that because we like the reputation that comes with that? Is it because we have a little bit of a hero complex that we need to be needed? I have to confess that all three of those are true of me on some level. And church, we've got to repent of that. That's gross. That is not what God is calling us to. We need to repent of these wrong motives. Because our ultimate hope is that the church would enter in because we truly love God and because He's called us into that space. Because we truly love people and we long to see them liberated and empowered. And because we ourselves have been liberated and empowered and we are longing for others to experience the same. That's what motivates us. That's what drives us. And the litmus test to see whether we're doing it well is because people will praise God and not us. That's how we'll know if He gets the glory. So the million-dollar question as we conclude is how? How do we go back to the basics and rightly apply these fundamentals as we seek to love and serve this beautiful community? And the first thing that I need to acknowledge in this is that 
uh, we don't have all the answers to that question. There's the, there's the humility. In some sense, we don't really know. There's no formula, there's no recipe that we can employ that will cause us to enter in and will be a blessing and people will be empowered. I wish there was. That would be simple, wouldn't it? But people and communities are a little bit more complicated than that. And so we don't know. We don't have a perfect formula. That being said, there are some churches, there's some people that have been doing this work for a long time and have been empowering and entering in with humility and promoting dignity and humanity. And so we want to embrace and grab hold of those best practices. We want to walk in their footsteps. And so here's what that look like. Here's what that's going to look like at Christ Central. Starting today, we are beginning a campaign, for lack of a better term, to adopt the various streets of the Southside community. This is not, again, it's not a new idea that we created. This is something that's been happening around the country for a long time, and it's rooted in the scriptures. I want to show you guys a map uh, that uh, I'm going to, I hope I don't buzz when I go over here. See this? Yeah? So this is a map. This is where God has taken us over the past year. This is the Southside community, uh, and this is our focus. We feel like God is calling us to love and serve and bless this community that's shaded in right here. And so what this looks like is uh, over the next week and then carrying on, we're going to invite you to adopt a street on this map. We're going to send this, uh, this commission to the city groups, our small groups, and we're going to ask that all the city groups pick one or two of these streets that they're going to adopt and they're going to begin to pray for. There's that humility. We're going to ask God to work knowing that we can't do it. So we're going to begin to pray over this community. And Lord willing, in the near future, every single street on this map is going to be adopted. And so next week when you come back, we're going to have little pins, and you can place a pin in the street that you've adopted. If you're not in a city group, I want to invite you to get a team together, to get some people that you can hold each other accountable and encourage each other as you seek to pray and love and serve this community. And so that's how we're going to begin. We're going to ask God to work. We're going to ask him to show up and bless and serve this community. And then from there, as it begins to warm up, John Blake, if you can raise your hand. Here's John. John and I are going to begin to do some seminars, encouraging and coaching people on how we're going to then move this prayer from in our homes into the streets. So we're going to begin to walk the streets and pray for the community. And John and I are going to explain to you and talk to you about what it looks like to begin to engage the community in a way that brings dignity and value. And the key way that we're going to do that is we're going to listen. We're going to listen to the community. We're going to listen to the desires, the hopes, and dreams of this Southside community. If you saw the video last Wednesday, those dreams and desires are much. There's so much going on here that we get to enter in and, and be a small part of. And so that's where we're headed. We're going to begin to pray for and listen to and encourage this community. As we begin to hear what the community desires, what they long, then we enter in in a small way and we empower. We empower the community to be what it wants to be, what it longs to be, what it's dreamed to be, what it once was. So that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. That's, that's the vision of how this works. It's not flashy. It's not programmatic. It's going to be slow. It's going to take time. It's going to be hard. But the beauty is that we enter in with humility 
we promote and invite humanity, and as a result, God is exalted. The name of Jesus is exalted. So I want to leave you guys with a, a question, I guess maybe better a request. Would you guys, would you as a church, partner with us and begin to labor in prayer for this community? Would you join us in asking God to do an awesome work in the Southside community? Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father God, you brought us here to this space for a reason. We are not in this building by chance. We are not in this historic Haiti community by accident. God, you brought us here because you love this community. You love the people here. And you long to see them lifted up and empowered. And Lord, we know the city has ideas about how that can happen, but we believe that your word has a lot of better ideas about people and how they can grow and be empowered and be encouraged. God, we want to see Christ exalted in this community. We want to give not ourselves but him. And so would you guide us? Lord, I, ch I charge and ask that you would charge this community of believers to begin to labor in prayer, to fight for this community on their knees, believing that Southside will be different because we prayed. God, would you give us that kind of faith? And thank you for what you're calling us to. Excited to see where you're going. We lift up this vision that you gave us to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to leave that up here. Uh, you can come up and look at it if you'd like.